Welcome to the CT Startup Podcast, an inside perspective on the startup ecosystem in the great state of Connecticut. My name is Dave Menard from Martha Kalina. I'm one of your co-hosts. Eric Francis from Fresh Farm Aquaponics. And I'm Ojala Nain from Rootset. Ojala is subbing in for Mike Kaufman, who couldn't make it today. Ojala, thanks a lot for uh, joining us. No problem. Always a pleasure. Listen, we can't stress enough. If you want to reach us, uh, please hop on our website, ctstartup.com. Uh, leave an email. Make sure you subscribe. We'll keep you in the loop and uh, make sure you know what's going on in the startup community. Uh, you can also reach us at uh, CT Startup Cast. Yep, that's, uh, on Twitter. that's on Twitter. And we're on Facebook, too. Yep. Excellent. So we have a great, great uh, couple guests for you today. Um, we're talking about co- the theories of conscious capitalism. Um, which has been making a great strides across the country and is now arriving here in Connecticut. With us, we have the head of the Connecticut's uh, South Central Regional Water Authority, Larry Bingaman. Morning, Dave. Larry Bingaman here. And uh, we also have Jennifer uh, Bernheim, who is with the Martin B. Agency. She's one of the board members. Yes, good morning. And I have to admit, uh, I also have an interest in this. I am also on the board of the... Uh, beginning chapter of conscious capitalism in Connecticut. And so, uh, so Larry, you are the driving force behind conscious capitalism in Connecticut. Uh, it has really caught your interest, and uh, you've already turned it into uh, a movement here. And so I'd like to hear about how you got into it, and, and then maybe describe a little more about conscious capitalism to our listeners. Sure. Thanks, uh, Dave. You know, I, I started my PhD in management uh, a couple of years ago, and one of the introductory courses that we took had a section in it called Forms of Capitalism for the 21st Century. I wasn't quite sure what that was going to be all about, but, but in the middle of it, uh, we, we studied the concept of conscious capitalism. And it, I really had an epiphany when, when, I, when I learned about that, because there's a lot of controversy going on in the business community. There's some major global companies that are undergoing some scandals or seem to be a, a very high focus on making money at all, at all costs. Um, you know, the Occupy Wall Street was still you know, in, in my memory. So conscious capitalism was a way to really, I think, redefine how businesses uh, operate to benefit not only their employees and customers, but also the communities and, quite frankly, the world in which they operate. So it really caught my interest and something that I have become very passionate about uh, since then. And now, it's very interesting because your, your business is actually a quasi-public agency. So you're, you're, you're taking principles sort of designed for um, the corporate business world and applying it to a business which has to make money but is also a utility, um, which is pretty, pretty fantastic. Absolutely. We're, we, we, we have been practicing the principle of conscious capitalism for years at the Regional Water Authority, but really didn't know what to call it. So step back for a minute uh, to define the there's four principles involved in conscious capitalism. First and foremost, it says that a business should operate for a higher purpose other than making money. So it says that making money should be important, but it can't be the only purpose of a, of a business, that there's more to it, and that they need to give back to the communities. They need to take into account all of their stakeholders when they make a decision. And that, that's the second principle, is that business owners, business executives should uh, understand the interrelationship of all the different stakeholders in their, in their business, uh, like employees or customers, uh, vendors, uh, the uh, uh, 
investors in the business as well as the communities in which they in which they operate. And you know, business is a is an intricate web of interrelationships, and no business should really make a decision that benefits one particular stakeholder group at the expense of a, of another. So businesses shouldn't try and beat down their vendors in order to uh, make more money. Or a classic example of companies will lay off employees uh, in order to boost profits for a particular quarter. So uh, that second principle is very important: understanding the interrelationship of stakeholders. The third principle of conscious capitalism is uh, exercising conscious leadership. And with conscious leadership, it's really the leaders start thinking more about the we rather than the me, and they take into account uh, the, the broader uh, purpose of the organization. They support the higher purpose. They work to get their employees engaged in the business so that they are uh, bringing their thoughts, their ideas, and their creativity in order to not only provide better service, but also to be uh, engaged in the communities in which they, in which they operate. Uh, and then it's, it's having a, a conscious culture. And that really wraps everything together. It's the leaders are supporting the higher purpose, the employees are supporting the higher purpose, the employees are engaged in the business, and it's really operating on all eight cylinders, so to speak. So those four principles of conscious capitalism are very important. And we were practicing that those principles without really knowing what to, what to call it. So when I learned about it in, in, the, in my uh, studies, I thought, gee, this is something that we've been doing. It's great, and it, it's helped make us successful uh, through the years. So, John, is this sounding familiar to you? Very familiar. It sounds like uh, similar conversations we've had about benefit corporations as well. There's definitely a very natural connection Absolutely. between anybody forming a benefit corporation and then applying and using the, the principles of conscious capitalism. Absolutely. It, it's it's they're not exactly the same, but but I could easily see where almost every benefit corporation would apply those principles naturally, and and if they were to apply it thoughtfully, could even gain more out of it. Definitely, well, I think it, it gives a structure really. It gives a legal sort of infrastructure, a more philosophical structure. Well, as I understand it, with a benefit corporation, you're protected uh, so that. When you have a typical C corporation, you have to strive to maximize profits so yep. that shareholders yep. can, bring a, can bring a lawsuit. Yep. Whereas with a benefit corporation, they can actually operate toward that higher purpose, still make money, but they don't have to have that as a single focus, and, and therefore they don't have to be concerned about being sued by, by investors or their stakeholders or shareholders. So, so, so you said you, you kind of came to this um, conscious capital when you're doing your PhD? Correct. Correct. Now, is that something... Um, so. The, the idea of like, your first principle, right? Your first principle is about just not making money, right? Mm -hmm. And it seems to, and Ojal, you can kind of uh, weigh in on this, is that it seems to me a lot of people in my age, I'm 28, right? And so in the 20s to 30s, already understand that. It's kind of like a built-in thing. It's like, yeah, I, a business has to make money, but that's not the reason why I'm going, you know, doing it, right? right. I'm doing it because I want to get out of corporate America and I want to be in charge of my own life or I want to have a social impact or this or that. So it's like one of those things where, and again, talking to maybe my, my, my father, my uncles who have been in business, it may be something where they're like, what do you mean it's not just about profit? You, you, know, you know, so it's like almost kind of like a generational gap almost. Or is it, cause, and again, the reason why I asked about your PhD is that it seems you went later in your career to get the PhD and like mm -hmm. in your class was, what was the age range? That this was, was this like a, an epiphany to a lot of people when you're kind of going through those courses about conscious capital? Was it like, oh my God, I've never thought about it like that. 
Well, you know, it was, it's interesting that you bring that up because we had all age groups in there, people that uh, were in their late 30s, early 40s, uh, 50s. Uh, so there was a whole range of, of age groups and experience within the business world as well as the nonprofit uh, world or the military. So when we got into that section there, you could see that it really resonated with a lot of, with a lot of people within the class. Some of them, it was a new concept like it was to me. Others, they were they had a familiarity with something like that, but not necessarily specifically conscious capitalism. But you could see it resonated with them. And, and we're finding that, you know, the millennials, you know, the new work, the new generation of workers that are coming into the workforce, they really want to go to, go to work for a business that has a higher purpose, that not just making money is the only thing. So it's, it, it actually helps with recruiting new, new employees um, because they want to have something that goes beyond the four walls of the organization, so mm -hmm. to speak. Absolutely. There were some studies done by Deloitte recently that focused on you know millennials entering the workforce and what is important to them. I believe it was over 70% said you know the impact that their company is creating. So either maybe through a CSR program or maybe through just the values of the company, um, that is most important to them. Even at Reset, their intern program, we asked them uh, at the end of it, you know, what um, coming in and at the end, what is most important to you when you look for a company to work with after you've graduated? Um, and across the board, every single one of them in their top three had what is the impact that the mm -hmm. company is creating. So it's definitely becoming, I think there is a bit of a generational change, but I think it's also as, you know, the political climate, the economical climate has really changed in the last 20 years. Um, and all those things, you, know, you kids from the 80s and 90s are growing up seeing a lot of those changes happening. They want to make sure they stay ahead of it um, before it's too late. And it's not just about where we're working or who we're working for either, it's also who are purchasing products. So millennials tend to make sure that there's also additional value in those products that they purchase and that they're, they're giving back in some way. So I think companies need to also be cognizant of that. Right. Well, it's funny you bring that up because we always talk about that as, as a marketing play, which makes sense coming from you. But uh, uh, it is it is when you look at you know a lot of people would ask us why why would why would someone become a benefit corporation? Okay, they want to protect their mission, but what else is there? You know, they don't want to get sued, but there's got to be something more. There is, I think. You know, consumers across the board, not only millennials, are stepping out and saying, I want to make sure that this dollar that I spend is stretched out as far as possible. So may that be for um, when you're buying you know, food, is it healthy food, is it good for me, how is it affecting my body, so on and so forth. Or even when you're buying you know, apparel or shoes, mm -hmm. take a look at Tom's shoes, you know, they're really successful. If you look at the shoes, there's nothing like amazing about them. I mean, they're not the best quality, they're not always you know waterproof or anything like that. But they're selling next to a pair of Nikes for the same price, and when someone knows, okay, Tom Shoes is giving away a pair of shoes to someone in need, that's like doubling the dollars I'm spending. So I'm really buying like two pairs of shoes. That's awesome. Yeah, I'm gonna say my own personal experience. I, I actually first discovered this for my for my own life when I started working with Reset and and benefit companies, and I started reading annual reports of various benefit companies. Um, and the one that always struck me was uh, King Arthur Flower yeah. in Vermont. And they have a fantastic annual report, and they're very honest, and they're very, they're very straightforward, exactly how many should be, but they make a nice, glossy annual report that anybody should be feel free to read, and they'll say, 
this is what we did in the past year. This is where we succeeded. This is where we failed. And this is where we're going forward. And, and they outline it and they show what they're doing for their company and for their employees and, and how they're hiring people who may not otherwise be employable and they're promoting from within. Um, and they have a very employee centric culture and they have, they just built a new building and it's like 99% green. And, uh, so I, I know I actually had bought, uh, and this was a while ago now, but, I buy flour maybe twice a year, um, but I but I was in the supermarket and I went to the flour aisle and I picked up King Arthur and I didn't even look at the other brands, like I just knew and I didn't look at the price. I didn't care what the price was. I just knew I wanted to support this company, so I bought King Arthur and that was you know, um, and and it's like that with all of these other companies. Actually, I just bought uh, I just bought some socks from a company called uh, Bombas. Mm-hmm. and uh, for every pair of socks you buy, they give a pair of socks to to homeless shelters. Um, and so it's just, uh, you know, and, and so it does, it changes buying habits. It changes people's perception. So you, you know, and if you combine, um, and if you have a benefit corporation, that's great. And if you're using the principles of conscious capitalism, even better. Um, and then, but if you're even a regular corporation that's using conscious capitalism, you can really, you can change the way your company works inside and out. You know, but I think the important thing to understand and, and you touched on it, um, is that conscious capitalism is more than just corporate social responsibility. Yep. And a lot of people define that, that, well, gee, I give back, I, I, my company makes donations, and uh, you know, we're involved in the community. And it really is much more than that. It's having that total philosophy. And I think first and foremost, it goes to defining what is the higher purpose that, you're, that your company's going to pursue and, and support. And then the other, the other three principles, I think, flow from that. Yeah, it's the foundation that you build the company. So that's why, which is good in Connecticut now that we have the benefit legislation that you can just say from the beginning, we know what we're going to do. We don't know how we're going to get there, but we're going to build on top of the idea that we want to be this type of company. And i got to put in a plug. Hopefully we'll have benefit LLC legislation in the next year or so. There are people working on it. We'll support you with that. (laughs) But that's that's one of the things that we're so excited about in terms of forming this conscious capitalism chapter in, in Connecticut. We're still an interim chapter, which means we haven't been formally recognized as a full-fledged chapter by the home organization, but we're hoping to, to use that as a vehicle to not only spread the word about conscious capitalism, get more people to support this new way of doing business for the benefit of not only their companies and their employees, but for the state in, in general. So, uh, And then most importantly, we want to try and design programs that can help companies understand how you go about incorporating the principles into their business, because that's the probably the single... Uh, most frequent question that we're asked is, gee, I, the principles sound great, I think it's wonderful, well, how do I do that? And we want to be able to give uh, individuals and, and company executives kind of a, a playbook that they can use to implement the principles within their company. And we should, an exciting time. we should point out that uh, companies that have implemented these principles, there, there's studies to show that this has a very positive impact upon the company's growth and revenues. Well, that's right, and, and there was a study done uh, in the book called Firms of Endearment by Ron Sodia. <laughs> got clever, clever play on words. That's yeah. Yeah. Firm, <laughs> firms of Endearment. Clearly not law firms. Uh, no, <laughs> but by Raj Sodia, who is a management consultant, he's a professor and, and one of the founders of Conscious Capitalism. And he did a study, a longitudinal study of, of companies over a 15-year period, 1998 to 2013. And he found that the companies that uh, followed uh, conscious capitalism uh, did 14 times better than the S&P 500 wow. and uh, six times better than companies that were included in Jim Collins' book Good to Great 
they did six times better than those companies. So indeed, the benefits uh, are of, of following conscious capitalism are, are quantifiable. That's fantastic. And so, uh, forming the chapter here in Connecticut, so I, I've been with you throughout this process, um, and uh, there is a, uh, there are, there are now how many chapters in the United States, Jennifer? I think there's something like 16 or 17 nationally, and I think there's 10 uh, globally. That's great. And so, uh, and when we'd have Connecticut, there's a, there's a chapter trying to be formed in Boston. For right, the, the New England chapter. And, and there's one in New York. Correct. So, and then one in upstate New York as well. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Okay. So we, so so you know, definitely New England, which is a, a, a great area for founding new revolutions, uh, is a <laughs> is, is a perfect place before this chapter. And we certainly want people to be part of it. Um, so, what's the best resources for learning more about conscious capitalism itself and the principles? Sure. There's, I mean, there's the national website, ConsciousCapitalism.org, mm-hmm. and there's tons of resources there. The book that Larry just mentioned, Firms, Firms of Endearment, there's also mm-hmm. Conscious Capitalism. Um, and then locally, to learn about our efforts, you could send us an email at ct.conscious.capitalism at gmail.com. Um, and we have several events coming up, roundtable discussions to really be able to spread the word, raise awareness, etc. We have one coming up uh, in October, October 7th, uh, with our friends at Reset, so we're looking forward to that. So what's the October 7th event going to be about? Sure, that'll be a roundtable discussion. We'll have several panelists talking about the philosophy of conscious capitalism and how they've applied it to their own businesses, Larry being one of those panelists. Um, The chapter lead from New England uh, chapter is coming over as well to be part of that discussion. Excellent. We had a similar discussion um, a couple of months ago in uh, in New Haven, where we had a, a four-person panelist uh, and about twenty, about two dozen or so local business leaders participated in that discussion, and it seemed to go really, really well. The, the reception was positive. There was a lot of enthusiasm on it. So we're looking forward to bringing it uh, up to the Hartford area at Reset. Right, and after that, we'll bring it to Lower Fairfield County. Great. And we also hope to have a soft lodge event in November. That's part of the Greater New Haven Chamber of Commerce's Big Connect where we have secured uh, Doug Rauch, the former CEO of Trader Joe's, mm-hmm. to moderate uh, a panel discussion and to speak as well. So we're thrilled about that, and Larry will also be on that panel. That's uh, November 16 at the uh, Oakdale Theater. That's okay. Uh, apparently, uh, my calendar is uh, filling up with stuff I it wasn't aware of yet. Tomorrow. <laughs> tomorrow. Tomorrow. <laughs> okay, is there anything you don't do? Yeah, there's plenty of stuff I don't do. That's what I was going to go for. <laughs> okay, yeah, I, 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 wow. <laughs> Mike's not here. He's not our Yeah, I know. I, I, I get that. <laughs> um, awesome. So, so that's, uh, that's great. I'm really glad, you know, and to be, to be fair, we just, uh, we just started meeting as a board earlier this year. Um, it was January, right? January, December, January, somewhere around there. Yeah, that, that's correct. Yeah. So that's uh, so you know, pretty good movement in a short amount of time. We've done a lot. We've and done a lot and reset. In addition to participating on that meeting, isn't uh, is someone from reset going to be participating? Uh, someone from the Walker Group, I believe. The Walker uh, Group, I believe. Uh, Kate set up, but we're hoping to have some from the Walker Group. Right. Great. And, and James from the Walker Group participated in our previous panel in New Haven from reset. Yeah. Uh, James Wolf. Yeah. So, and if people don't know, 
Uh, Kate Emery, who owns the Walker Group, is also one of the founders of Reset. And so uh, that's fantastic. I'm glad that, that, that there's been such uh, cooperative and, and engaging interaction there. So what's the what's the actual goal or like the, the metric that you guys are trying to, to figure out? Like I mean you, you bring in bringing conscious capital, getting people aware of it and everything, but like okay, you found the chapter, in five years we want X amount of companies to, to be implementing these or, or what? How many Well we 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 definitely will will set metrics because one of the one of the requirements is that we have to develop a strategic plan. Mm-hmm. And we're in the process of drafting that, and so of course, with that strategic plan, we'll set the uh, set the metrics. So we haven't done that yet, but uh, we certainly want to have a very large number of companies and individuals involved in, in the chapter moving forward. Is it something that uh, you target certain types of companies or certain size companies? Um, it's going to be across the board. I think it's going to be across the board because um, I think the enthusiasm that we have found for people. They learn about the principle. I think it applies to both small, medium, and large, large businesses alike. So we're hoping to have a, a nice cross section of members, awesome. as well as academic professionals. What What's some of the biggest pushback that you get so when you go out and talk to people about conscious capitalism? Um, you know, we we had a lot of challenges and sometimes continue to when we talk to people about social enterprise and benefit corporations and not fully being able to wrap their heads around why or what is this. Um, what, are, what are some of the challenges that you face or some of the pushback that you guys get? Well, I, I think we've already talked about some of that sometimes. Some of it, uh, previously, it's, it's the generational gap where, you know, profit ought to be the only the only uh, reason a business uh, is in existence. Uh, it's hard and, and it's hard to change. So if it's an established business following traditional business principles, uh, and acting responsibly, generally, giving back to the community. There's a question with you, A, why should I change? Because I'm doing, uh, supporting corporate social responsibility. So then they have to understand it's the broader message. Uh, but then it's going through the process of changing. And that is, is, can be a very difficult and challenging process, as you, as you well know. That the, uh, owner, the owner or the, or the Head of the organization needs to buy into it, and then he or she needs to get their leadership team involved in it, and then it needs to trickle down to the employees. And that can be a challenge, and it takes time. And sometimes people say that's just a lot harder than, than I'm willing to, uh, to to do. So, and I also think pushback in general from people trying to understand the philosophy. And you have the advantage of the benefit corporation; it's a legal status. There are documents you fill out, you check the box, and you're done in some sense I know there's more to it than that and the same with, with B Corp status but we there's there's no stamp of approval with right. conscious capitalism so a lot of business leaders are struggling with well how do I do it how do I measure it right um, so there's a lot of gray but there's also there's so many ways to, to implement conscious capitalism and um, I mean Larry you can speak to that with the the water authority and how you're letting it really kind of slowly integrate into your organization instead of forcing it as a new program or process. Right. And we've, we've been very careful as we started uh, talking about conscious capitalism that it's not the new program from the, you know, from the guy in, in the corner office that uh, this is the way we've always done business. So, you know, one of the things we did, we, we had a, a vision statement, uh, like every company, and it was to be uh, best in class in providing water and related services. Well, you know, I mean, that, you could apply that, that vision to, yeah. any, to any organization. So we, we had a, a group of employees uh, that took the challenge of uh, trying to decide what our new vision should be. And it was, they came back with that, presented to the leadership team. And the vision was to be an innovative water utility that sustains life 
And that that really is where we where we say is our higher purpose to sustain life. Because uh, obviously, without without water, it supports life itself. It supports communities' economic growth. So the rest of the statement is be an innovative water utility that supports life, supports its communities, and protects natural resources for future generations. And that really is not only our vision statement, but it also is our higher purpose. So providing the gift of water to sustain our communities is the higher purpose that we, that we strive for. And that resonates with, with employees. So that was the first thing that we've, that we've done. And then we've had, uh, in 2009 when I joined the corporation, uh, we uh, went through a strategic planning process, banded together the leadership team members, and one of the things that we uh, looked at was what should our values be? Well, a group of employees had recommended uh, that the STARS values uh, be adopted by the organization. STARS stands for service, teamwork, accountability, respect, and safety, safety on the job, in essence. And uh, we said, gee, that really, those are great principles and one that we have assimilated into the, into the organization. So it's now part of our performance review process and employees are evaluated on how well they live those STARS values on a daily basis. Uh, and by the way, you can also apply that at home. That might be a lot more challenging than a corporation. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we have the STARS values that, that are used to evaluate individuals when we're gonna promote somebody. We, judge how well they follow the star values if somebody is going to be given an accolade it's tied back to the values uh, and also if they're given a, uh, uh, a discussion on how to improve performance is also tied tied back to the star values so those are two steps that we've taken that really I think not only help define but also support uh, that higher purpose but uh, we've, we've done other things too we've, we've also um, have formalized a land preservation process uh, where we prioritize um, the land that we want to buy in a program called the, the uh, land we need for the water we use. And uh, through that program, we've identified parcels of, of uh, land within the, the county. We've we spent over $12 million since 2007 to preserve almost 800 acres of land. And that's to protect our, our watershed either through outright purchases or conservation easements. So we've done a lot of things to support that that higher purpose, and then the leadership piece has been a part of that as well. So the the being an innovative company, right? You're you're a utility, so quasi public, right? Mm -hmm. And so innovation, I mean, is that was that a, was that something that was a part of your your company before? I mean, like innovating again as a utility, you don't really think you know you're you're an innovator in the community. So it's like, how are you doing that right now? Is there is there ways in which your your innovation is kind of going into the public, the private sector, where other entrepreneurs can, can kind of leverage that? Well, we uh, being a utility, uh, you know, the only way that you can generate revenues is through rate increases for your for your product. Well, we've had a uh, what we call non-core revenue, so it's revenues generated without water rates. We've had a, a non-core business for uh, several years through a service line protection program that protects the service line from the curb to the to the building whether it's water or, or sewer. So uh, we've been looking at different ways that we can expand that non-core revenue. And by doing that, we can offset rate increases moving forward, direct benefit to our customers. So when we did our, our last strategic uh, plan, uh, we did that, updated that in 2015, we had um, 
over 52% of the organization participate in developing that strategic plan. Wow. And they offer, and, and consider that with most businesses you have at the most, 30% of the organization engaged, being actively right. engaged in the business. We had 50% uh, engaged in putting together that strategic plan. And they offered 135 different non-core revenue ideas. Uh, oh, man. So that, we, that we are sorting through and some of them are uh, very interesting. Uh, some of them are, are uh, takes on different kinds of bottled beverage, beverages. Some of them are entirely new uh, business ideas that we are evaluating. So the innovation actually has come from the employees themselves uh, through our strategic planning process. Boots on the ground that are actually there and, and they're thinking about it while they're doing their job. Absolutely. Like, we could do this. <laughs> That's exactly right. You're also reaching out to the academic community. Um, Right, with the brainstorming well, solution challenge, hopefully in the fall. That, that's true. We've uh, we've connected with uh, Yale University, and we're going to have a, a hackathon with them. So, as you know, in a, in a hackathon format, uh, you have uh, college students. Uh, in this case, it'll be graduate and PhD students from Yale, other colleges within uh, Connecticut and Massachusetts. And for a day-long session, they will try and think about ideas to generate revenues to offset water rate increases moving forward. That's awesome. So we've connected with the academic community um, that we think will really begin to will be the beginning of a very strong partnership. Now are you are you actually gonna fund any of those ideas? Because I know at some so at the end of it there's gonna be three winners or one winner that hackathon and then you're gonna try to incubate that idea onto a success. That, that's exactly right. That's the plan. We'll we'll have uh, maybe three three winners, first, second, third prize we'll uh, and we will offer maybe all three winners the opportunity to come in and work with the RWA and, and perhaps develop that our, that idea further. So that's definitely part of the, of the plan. Nice. So we're, we're very excited about that. So conscious capitalism not only in the company, but uh, but through innovation of other companies. Very exciting. So I, th I think that's, uh, you know, again, everything that's going on with the RWA, with conscious capitalism and the expansion of these ideas in Connecticut and and hopefully, uh, you know, bringing the message to the crowd. I think that'll be great. And again, you have such a natural fit with Reset and, uh, and some of the other groups in Connecticut. So, again, uh, we talked a lot about events coming up. Um, but uh, before we wrap it up, why don't you, again, tell us the email? Sure. It's ct.conscious.capitalism at gmail.com. Fantastic. Uh, any other last questions or anything you want to uh, bring what, to Larry? Uh, just, what's the, the time frame of, of you know getting the group up and running and having kind of full implementation of the uh, of, of your chapter and, and kind of what that what what that means for entrepreneurs obviously that want to reach out and because obviously we want to be a part of the part of the process and everything. Yeah, it would be absolutely great to have you have you join that. So we have to get our strategic plan done, uh, have that completed. So we're hoping that we can have. Uh, full chapter status by the end of this year or very early in 2017. So awesome. we're putting that on the fast track. Right. It's going to be great with timing, hopefully, with the LLCs coming in as well. Yeah. Yeah. Now, is there any ask of our audience? So is there any type of people you need to connect with uh, for the strategic plan? Any um, any other kind of uh, ask that you would you have for the, for the Connecticut ecosystem? Well, we, we have a, a great board of directors made up of uh, community leaders, not only in the New Haven region, but like also Dave. in Harvard. <laughs> like, like, like just what I was going to say, like, like Dave, for instance. Uh, and uh, they provide a lot of support. But if individuals, we really encourage them to get involved in the chapter as we, as we move forward. So taking advantage of that email address to request information 
get put on our mailing list, and we send out periodically articles about different uh, views of conscious capitalism, uh, whether it's something the RWA is doing or something that other other companies are doing as well. So we would encourage them to get on that on that mailing list and then become members of the of the chapter. And we haven't set the membership levels yet. That will be part of the planning process. But they can either become a member or perhaps even a corporate sponsor of the organization to help spread the word, which is which is the uh, very very helpful. Yeah, if I had an ask, it would be corporate sponsors. Corporate sponsors, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And we will oh, go ahead, Jeff. Oh no, to support upcoming events. I mean, so the long term plan is to get the chapter up and running, and then to have monthly or quarterly uh, events, and then also maybe a statewide conscious capitalism conference yearly. I mean, there's lots of opportunity down the road. And then having sub events in yeah. different corners of the state. These so. roundtables where yeah. you get people together to really right. talk about it, kind of. And then offering out. the resources yeah. that they need to implement their businesses. Thank you for listening to the CT Startup Podcast. We want to thank our audio sponsor, the Murphy Kalina Law Firm, our guests for their time and input, our production company, Sublime Exposure Online, and of course you, our listeners, for helping make all this possible. Make sure to check out our Facebook page, our webpage at ctstartup.com and our Twitter, at CT Startup Cast. And please make sure to join our newsletter for all the latest information on the Connected Startup Series.